The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Jackson. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday, your chance to sound off on issues of a two-way nature right here on the Michael Duke Show. Good morning and welcome to the program as we broadcast live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. And of course, as always, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com where we have the audio-only live stream and, uh, of course, links to the social media sites where we are simulcasting the show this morning on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And finally, links to the podcast. Wherever you find find podcast, uh, CastBox, Stitcher, YouTube, uh, 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 Google Play, iTunes, and, of course, Spotify. All right. So, hello, my friends. Hello. How are you doing? today? Man, we've got a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to be hitting just a few headlines here in the beginning of the show. And then uh, in about uh, 15 minutes or so, we're going to pick it up with uh, J.D. Tuchilli, who is, of course, a senior editor for Reason Magazine. He's going to come on and talk with us about his writings, um, uh, about the increasing political pressure on this uh, credit card processor scheme where they're trying to put gun-specific merchant code categories in. Um, There's been a twist on that this week. Uh, J.D. wrote about this uh, late last week, um, or or I guess early this week. I guess it was Monday uh, that I first read the story, and uh, he agreed to come on. And then we have some news, which we're going to get to in the headlines here in just a minute. But uh, this is... uh, this is this is interesting. It's interesting stuff. So JD's been following this for quite a while, and he's got a pretty exhaustive story over at Reason.com about it. So I invited him to come on the program and discuss it with us. So we're going to talk with JD Tuchilli here from Reason Magazine in just a few minutes. Uh, I'll go ahead and post up a link uh, in the chat room on his article from uh, earlier this week. If you want to go out there and take a look at it, you can go to facebook.com slash Michael Duke show, click on the live button, and you can see the links there in the chat room. So he's going to be with us in hour one, and then in hour two, we'll have a little bit of chit-chat, uh, chitty-chatty uh, at the top of the hour, followed by our monthly visit with Top Shot Chris Chang, uh, so champion from season four of the History Channel show uh, Top Shot. We're going to talk with him about some of the things that's going on around the country, including California, where 
Surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, a California sheriff has now been indicted by a grand jury for corruption and official misconduct in a pay-for-play uh, scheme on issuing concealed carry permits. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, oh, baby, this is going to be some interesting stuff. Uh, so we'll talk with uh, Chris Chang about that. Also get an update on what he's working on right now. And uh, we will talk with him in hour two. And then finally, finally, we're going to finish off the show uh, with uh, our friend Willie Waffle from WaffleMovies.com. So he's going to come on board and talk with us uh, and give us the update on all the hot news, the hot stuff that's out there. So kind of excited about it, kind of uh, kind of ready to go and uh, ready to talk with uh Ready to talk with him to get the weekend. It's the it's officially the start of the weekend after we've had a chance to talk to um, after we've had a chance to talk to Willie. So I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of excited and ready to uh, ready to go. So um, that's pretty much the whole show today in a nutshell, and uh, I'm ready to do it. I'm wearing my six o'clock club. I just. I had a stain on my shirt, and I've just wiped it down. Uh, I'm wearing my six o'clock club shirt, uh, which uh, is kind of exciting. We're we're in the final stages, and I know I've said something close to this a couple times, but I really mean it this time. We're in the final stages of getting the new website put together. Uh, it's a revamp of the website, and it'll also allow you to purchase uh, merchandise for the show, just like this 6 o'clock club t-shirt or the Just Say No to Government Doe t-shirt or the beard shirt or the, what's the other one we got, the censorship shirt. I mean, there's a lot of, we're going to have some good stuff up there. And, and Beard Curler Coffee going to be available on the website as well. So I'm kind of... Uh, I'm kind of excited about it. I'm kind of excited about the whole thing. We're going to uh, be working uh, working on that here uh, in the next week or so. And so hopefully by the end of this month, uh, I've had the majority of the website done for about three months now. <laughs> it's that last little 10% that is stymieing me trying to get all the, the shopping cart and all the other stuff integrated uh, because <clears throat> I'm doing it all myself. I'm not hiring a professional. So you know how it is. You know how it is. Luckily, I've got friends who are professionals, and they're going to uh, they're going to hook me up here and the and help me finish the last little bit of it. So we're we're good to go here to get all this stuff done and connect it with all the the vendors and the security certificates and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be fun. So the new website will be rolling out, and I'll be letting you know about that. But I'm wearing my T-shirt in honor of the fact that pretty soon everybody will be able to get. Uh, a uh, a t-shirt of whatever flavor that they want and be able to uh, be loud and proud and show everybody out there how they want to get things done. Okay, um, I guess we should uh, just jump right in with both feet and talk about some of the big stories that are going on uh, that are going on out there. Uh, predominantly, I guess we will talk, for just a moment, about what happened um, in uh, in Hamburg, uh, Hamburg, Germany. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, on Thursday, uh, yesterday, uh, early on, uh, the peace was shattered in Hamburg, Germany, by a shooter who killed, um, 
well, a mess of people at a Jehovah's Witness church in the city. Uh, According to news reports uh, from earlier this morning, eight people were killed in that shooting um, at the Jehovah's Witness church in Hamburg. And the gunman was uh, found among the dead there. Uh, He appeared to be or is believed to be a former member of the church uh, between the ages of 30 and 40. Not known to be an extremist or anything else. And there's really no, uh, there's no uh, uh, reasoning yet. There's no motive. Uh, So, and we may never know a motive. That's part of the problems and part of, you know, what we're dealing with here. Um, I bring it up, uh, I mean, first and foremost, because it's a tragedy and we need to, you know, make sure we give some thoughts and prayers to the people of those families. It's obviously, um, a, a, you know, just just tragic there. Um, we also don't know how he obtained his firearm. Germany has uh, strict gun control in place. In fact, one of the stricter countries uh, in the European Union as far as uh, gun violence goes. Um, but again, proving the fact that criminals, um, crazy people, criminals, that you cannot legislate evil or insanity. Uh, because obviously this has happened, and it's happened fairly frequently. This is not, we keep hearing about how this is, uh, you know, only in America, only in America, and yet in Germany, uh, I mean, February 2020, they had uh, a German gunman in the town of Hanau who shot a bunch of people, including migrants. In October 2019, a, he, a gunman killed people outside of a synagogue uh, on, on Yom Kippur. Um, we, of course, have the, you know, Charlie Hebdo shooting in France. And, you know, we have the latest two shootings that happened in Australia. All these places that they hold up as saying, well, this is this is what. And again, you cannot legislate evil or insanity. These are two prime examples of the problems with uh, with these kind of ideas that somehow if we just did it the way that they wanted us to do it in an Australian style slash European style slash UK style, um, you know, kind of gun control scheme, that somehow that would prevent these things from happening. And yet I present you with this tragedy right here, the same kind of thing. It's horrific, but it just proves yet again that that is not going to make a difference in the long run. Um, so it's, uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting, uh, situation, but it's, it it just shows you again that this is not something that you can legislate away because people who have decided to break the law are going to break the law, regardless of how many more you heap on there. And they will find a way if they want to bad enough, they will find a way. And I think some of the things that are being pushed and forced down our throats by a lot of the gun control crowd is there's a lot of hypocrisy in this kind of stuff. And yet we have another case to prove that point. Uh, you know, we know about the gun control group that Michael Bloomberg sponsors, the Every Town for Gun Safety and everything else. Well, he's got a whole... Um, He's got a whole plethora of groups. It's not just every town. It's also Moms Demanding Action with Shannon Watts and everything else. And they've got another group that's called Be Smart, which is supposedly a child safety initiative. 
Um, but there is definitely some hypocrisy on this thing. Now, Michael Bloomberg is one of the richest men in the world, right? Billionaire, failed presidential candidate. You know who this guy is. Well, it apparently, uh, Bloomberg has been caught distributing items from the National Shooting Sports Foundation funded initiative called, um, uh, called Project uh, Child Safe. Which is a which is a uh, uh, an initiative to make sure that there are free gun locks for anybody who wants a gun lock. John Richardson, a blogger, a blogger and podcaster who writes about firearms, tweeted at a photo taken at a gun show in Asheville, North Carolina. There was a booth there for the group Be Smart and a, a Bloomberg back group called Be Smart, stapling their own business cards and information to locks that were clearly branded Project Child Safe. The locks are paid for by the firearms industry and distributed free to communities through partnerships with over 15,000 law enforcement agencies. It is ironic that a billionaire's gun control group swipe the firearms industry's locks so that it appears that they're just absolutely doing something. Shannon Watts, the founder of Moms Demand Action, has even smeared the NSSF and the firearms industry as extremists who are focused on profitability over everything, including the safety of the American public. But when that same industry provided locks for free to people to try and keep kids safe, they took all the locks and stuck their own stuff on it. I mean, this is, this is just the hypocrisy. I mean, Bloomberg, by the way, billionaire, no heirs, everything. Else. I mean, just Bill, this is just so, oh. I mean, thank goodness the locks are getting out there. Don't get me wrong. Even though they're taking credit for, I'm glad the locks are getting out there, but come on, this is your moral high ground. This is what... Hypocrisy is what it is. Hypocrisy. Bashing the NSSF and the industry on the one hand, taking what they are offering for free, rebranding it with your own stuff, and then giving it out while still... Shut up. Just shut up. All right, we got more coming up. Uh, JD2 Chili up next. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. Regularly heard on American radio. I mean, I cannot, I just cannot believe this. I cannot believe that this is the, uh, that this whole thing is just, I mean, they're blatantly, uh, they're blatantly just putting their, putting their, uh, Stapling their cards to the NSSF child safe locks. Can I can I show you guys this? Let me uh, let me split everything over here so that you can see what I'm talking about here. Uh, there we go, right there. Um, so they're they're blatantly they are just blatantly stapling 
their business cards and memorabilia or 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 intel and everything else you could it just it's right there project child safe all from the national shooting sports foundation with the smart card up here from the bloomberg project it, it, it and these are laying out all over the table at the gun show <laughs> i mean bash them on the one hand but on the other hand Let's take their stuff and make it look like it's our own, right? I mean, that's that that that's perfect. Perfect. Oh my gosh. <sighs> okay. Um, um little off topic, but does anyone know if there's any events coming up around um uh Kenai Soldatna area for signing the petition for ranked choice voting. Um, look for, um, what's the, what's the website, Richard? Um, honesty, Alaskans for honest elections, Alaska for honest, uh, Alaskans for honest elections.com. Is that right? I mean, let me just. Let me just check that for you. Uh, I believe it is Alaskans for Honest Government or yeah, they're right there. There you go. Okay. Uh, Alaskas for Honest Elections .com, Richard. There you go. Um, Anthony says, see, that's the thing, Mike. Pure hypocrisy is almost indistinguishable from pure idiocy. Well, I, I would not disagree with that, my friend. I would not disagree with that at all. But it is uh, ironic that you've got the multi-billionaire Michael Bloomberg taking stuff from the National Shooting Sports Foundation, stapling, slapping their own labels on it, while at the same time bad-mouthing the Shooting Sports Foundation and the industry is just wanting to kill people, essentially, when it's all said and done. Um, all right. Um, I've got... Uh, uh, anatomy of a gun lie. That's the latest from hand waving freak outery. That's good stuff, Brian. All right, I see that JD Two Chili is uh, he's he's basking in the Arizona sunshine, uh, doing his thing out there. Let me uh, let me get uh, let me push all the right buttons here and get myself into the right configuration so we can bring him on this morning to talk and say hi. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Doing well. Good morning to you. Hey, thanks for coming on board. I know you're busy. Uh, JD is uh, joining us this morning via telephone because he's got errands to run and things to do and and people to see. Um, is it is it blissfully warm and beautiful where you're at, or are you just am I just hoping? Relative to Arizona, it's chilly. Relative to you, I think this is summer weather. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I actually went outside this morning before the show, and I was like, "Wow, it, it must be a." blistering 30 degrees out this morning it's feeling pretty good so it's it's all it's all good um all right so you ready to jump into this with us here and uh absolutely okay yes. good well i appreciate that if you'll hold on just a second i'm going to put you back in the green room for just a second while i finish up the last minute or two here of the commercial break we're about to jump back into this again we're going to be talking about uh, jd's uh, most recent article which uh, might be OBE, maybe not, overcome by events, uh, because of some announcements that came out after the article uh, came out late Wednesday afternoon. 
Uh, so we'll talk with him about that as well, and uh, we'll get more information. Don't forget Chris Chang's coming up in the next hour. Let's get back to it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Thanks for being part of it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. That's right. Not your daddy's talk radio. And not your daddy. I've already got enough kids. I don't need you as well. That's fine. Uh, Let's jump over to it here and get started. Our guest for this hour is J.D. Tuchilli, senior editor at Reason Magazine. He has recently written an article talking about this new uh, credit card charge. It's a master charge code where they would be able to track some purchases uh, but not really. It doesn't really do what they says it does. I don't. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Uh, and he joins us this morning uh, from blissfully chilly Arizona. He's wearing a coat in Arizona. It's obviously he's a little cool. Although I did see a picture the other day, JD, where you had snow outside your house. Are you up in the high desert area? You you're getting a lot of that white stuff. Yeah, we're at about 36, 3,800 feet, uh, so we get some snow. It's not like Flagstaff where they actually get snowed in, but uh, we get we definitely get the white stuff on the ground. Good, good. I, I felt a little kinship with you when I saw that. I was like, oh, so he's in that part of Arizona. So it's it's all good. Uh, JD, so let's get into your uh, let's get into this story talking about banks who were up until this week looked like they were backing, whether it was reluctantly or not, this whole idea of somehow tracking credit card purchases for guns. I mean, that's how it was sold to us. We're going to be able to track these guns. But this merchant category code uh, was really not what it seemed to be. It seemed uh, they were they were trying to sell it as something that they maybe really didn't need to. And of course, we've got the latest news from Wednesday. So why don't you give us a little bit of background here and then we'll talk about uh, any kind of update. Absolutely. I mean, this has been in the work uh, for about a year and it's still a story in motion. We don't know how this is going to resolve yet. But basically, this very political bank in New York, amalgamated bank, union-owned, very proudly proclaiming its progressive political uh, bona fides, um, has been lobbying for a new merchant category code. These are established by the ISO, the International Standards Organization. And they've been doing so alongside Elizabeth Warren, uh, Mayor Eric Adams in New York City, and a bunch of other Uh, democratic politicians. And what they've been promising is that with this new merchant category code, gun shops would have its specific category. And uh, when purchases were made uh, with credit cards at these shops, they could be tracked. And then if anybody was concerned about the nature of the purchases, how much, how frequent, they could could, uh, issue SARs, these uh, heads up to law enforcement that something might be in the works. Uh, And this idea was that they were going to make us all safer by tracking gun purchases. So the code was announced this past autumn. Discover this past week announced that it was gonna be the first of the credit card companies to implement it. And they, and they implied that Visa and MasterCard were already on the way along with American Express. Uh, but this was never gonna do what it was promised because first of all, it's assigned to a store. So if you go in there and you spend a thousand bucks on camping gear, um, it was gonna come up with this code on it. Are they going to issue alerts because you bought a tent and a backpack? I mean, it just gets sillier and sillier as it goes down. So states started pushing back, threatening these credit card companies with fines 
um, and other penalties if they use this code. And the latest news is that Visa, MasterCard, and Discover have paused implementation of the code. No word from Amex yet, but uh, they were very clear that they're pausing it because of the pushback, because of the legal threats. And we don't know where this is going to end up, but it's a mess. Well, and we've talked about this. I mean, this reminds me of the Justice Department's Operation Choke Point that was here a few years ago that attempted to do the same thing. They attempted to exert regulatory pressure on different financial institutions to try and shut down industries that they didn't agree with, which I think were like loan brokers, adult entertainment, and uh, and gun stores specifically. And that eventually blew up in their faces, I think, for because from exposure and public outcry, and they shut it down. But this just looks like the next kind of attack 2.0 on it. This amalgamated bank, as you said, they are a, I mean, they're blatantly proud of being this progressive thing that's trying to frame and push the banking industry into a certain thing. But again, as you said, we're being sold a bill of goods. If I walk into a, a box store, a big sporting goods box store, it, it, I could pretty easily rack up an $800,000, $900,000 bill if I'm trying to outfit my, some, my, my next camping trip or something. But they have no way of knowing if I bought an AR-15 or if I bought some coolers and some, back, some pack tents and some other things. They have no idea of knowing. And so, like you said, do they issue this and then try and dig into your life to figure out, do they send ATF to your house to figure out if it's a tent or a gun? Yeah, this, but this code has the potential to be an absolute disaster. Uh, getting people jacked up. Uh, first of all, if you, I mean, most people are making perp, uh, innocent firearms purchases. Second of all, because it's assigned to a retailer, not to a specific type of sale, it tracks everything by that retailer, as you mentioned. So this was going to be just a political push, really, to deny financial services to gun stores in the end. I mean, the first step is that you get the code. Second step is that you get banks leery of dealing with retailers who are assigned this code. Uh, and they were pretty clear that that's where they wanted to go because the alerts, the idea that they're going to get heads up on mass shooters because somebody walks into a specific store and spends money on what they have no idea. That was always a vain hope. It was never going to happen. But cutting off, as Operation Choke Point tried to do, cutting off financial services to whole perfectly legal industries was very possible. Right. And that was very much their goal. Um, that is what's paused right now because of the pushback. Um, I'll add that this politicization of business, making businesses uh, pawns in uh, efforts to achieve restrictions and bans that can't be implemented at the legislative level is extraordinarily troubling. It iner inherently turns them into ping pong balls between uh, opposing sides because then the other side says, okay, well, if you go with them, we're going to fine you and penalize you otherwise. Right. Uh, this is not good news for the future, even if the pause itself and potential discouraging of these credit card companies is for the moment on this specific case. Well, and to sidebar for a second, this is not strictly a Second Amendment issue. What you're talking about is this governmental pressure on private industries. I mean, we're looking right now at the whole social media fiasco with the disinformation on COVID and everything else. And now we're finding out that there were a real hand in glove relationship where government was basically cracking down on legal free speech by issuing pressure on social media companies. They're finding ways around the constitutional framework that protects our rights in this country by, again, putting the pressure, financial and governmental, on all these private industries. And, of course, a lot of them are going to comply because they're terrified that the government will come down on them. 
Yeah, it becomes impossible to distinguish uh, business people who actually agree with a political goal from those who are just afraid of having regulators call it, crawl up their derriers and make their lives miserable. Um, we owe, I think, a, you know, as erratic as Elon Musk can be, we owe him a big vote of thanks for simply dumping all of these car, all this correspondence um, out in the public for our journalists like Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi to dig through and expose. I mean, it shows the government leaning on private industry to try to use it as a proxy for achieving what the government isn't allowed to achieve, which is the suppression of discussions and people that they don't like. Um, and this, this, this move with the uh, merchant code with firearm stores is the same kind of thing. You can't achieve a gun ban in the legislature, fine. So we'll cut them off from financial services by making banks nervous about doing business with them. Uh, it turns private enterprise to a battleground and starts taking the whole idea of private out of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because again, and between that and the fact that many of these companies are embracing the whole ESG thing, uh, and so they've got a whole uh, philosophy now, instead of staying neutral, which I mean, if I had a multinational business out there, I would just be like, nope, we're just going to stay in our lane and offer a good product. We're not going to talk about anything. But this even takes those people and puts them under the microscope and gives opportunity. And by the way, I don't think that they really thought this through um, the, uh, the, the amalgamated or anybody else, because if this was the case, look at the growth in the purchase of firearms in just the last three years alone. Could you imagine if they started tracking this and seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of transactions for the firearms alone, let alone all the other camping gear and everything else you'd buy at these stores. I mean, we had whatever it was, 21 million Knicks checks, uh, you know, over the course. I mean, how would they even keep track of that? It really is nothing more than an incrementalism thing to try and get you used to it. The frog in the pot, so to speak, so that the next uh, the next transactional change or the next regulatory change, you just have to swallow it because you've already started down that path. Yeah, and that's why I have to think that the real goal, to the extent they thought this through, I mean, some of them, I think, thought that, oh, yeah, we're going to see these uh, shady, uh, you know, suspicious patterns, we'll issue alerts, and law enforcement will get involved and stop a mass shooting. That wasn't going to happen. But it's much more likely that you simply scare banks off from doing business uh, with gun stores. The actual, the, the real result of this, I suspect, is going to be a lot more cash transactions and also encouraging. I mean, crypto has been going through a bad bunch of months here. Right. But if you're looking for a, a disintermediated, you know, a, a, a permissionless way of, of buying things at a distance, um, and you can't use cash or you don't want to send an envelope of cash through the mail, uh, crypto allows you to do that because you don't need permission to make a purchase. And I think that they're just giving a boost to either crypto or whatever might come next in terms of disintermediated payments. So you don't have to worry about your bank getting leery of allowing you to make purchases with your own money. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and I guess our hats are off at this point to the states who decided to push back. And they used the same kind of regulatory levers. Uh, places like Texas basically said, well, if Visa or whatever company does this, Citibank, I think, was one of the big ones. Uh, Texas said, OK, fine, uh, we will mark no more contracts with any of these companies, no more agreements, no more state money going into these things. And we'll just we'll find. And, and that's that's the pressure that they're seeing right now. So what I think you're going to see is this red state, blue state kind of thing. There'll be some blue states now that will throw some counter laws in that show that'll find them if they don't use them kind of thing. So, I mean, this is 
really going to be one of the new battleground. And it's kind of amorphous. It's hard for some people to understand all the details of it. But this is really going to be the next battleground, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm wondering if we're going to look at a fractured economy where you've got to, you go back to the days, because right now the banking industry is extremely concentrated. But if you have politicized business, if you've got uh, Florida is actually threatening $10,000 per use of this merchant code, um, if you've got that and then New York threatens uh, uh, fines if they don't use it, you might go back to the days of state-by-state banks where you're, you could, you're doing transactions only in the red region or you're doing transactions only in the blue region. I don't think that's healthy. I don't want to see ideologically driven business. But I'm also, I also think it, all, it may be inevitable if we're politicizing uh, private enterprise to this extent and putting out the beck and call of activists who can't get what they've done through the government process. No, I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, I remember when we talked about choke point and everything else, there were already ideas because some gun businesses obviously had lost the ability to finance and do some other things. Uh, the good news is, is in the free market, there, a, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And we already started to see some companies that were starting to try and come together and pull together alternatives to some of the big ones before choke point was pulled apart. So inevitably, I think there will be businesses that step up and fill the gap. That might be good for us, but at the same time, it 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 kind of increases the tribalism and the divisiveness that we've seen in the country overall. It, it does. It does. Now, if we accelerate the use of disintermediated payment systems, permissionless payments, I think that's a good thing across the board for everybody. But at the same time, the reason that's going to happen right now is because of politicized business, and that's not a good development. I, I don't want to have. I don't want to see battling regulations on on the state level. Uh, where you've got businesses in the middle. It makes it very hard to just make a profit. But um, that's, what we're, that's where we're going right now. Right. J.D. Tuchilli is our guest, senior editor for Reason Magazine. J.D., are you staying with us to the top of the hour? Are you still good to I go? I can do that. Okay, good. All right. I want to continue to talk with you about this, and uh, we will continue here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. It is Firearms Friday, that one day a week we talk all about the Second Amendment and gun goodness. We're going to be back with more here in just a moment. We will continue with J.D. Tuchilli, senior editor from Reason Magazine. We're back right after this. Don't go anywhere. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. We got JD on here because he's running on beard power as well. That's how he's uh, he's he's doing it. He's doing it well. That's right. Got to it gives me time to think, to think. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Uh, JD, you know we're seeing this, and and uh, it, I got as I look at this, I just see that there's, in some ways, some desperation in these kind of maneuvers because people, you know, they can't get it done through the legal system because the people of don't really want it, and especially when it's an overt attack. This is kind of that whole covert thing. It reminds me of when Hillary Clinton was uh, in the Senate, and she was uh, she was 
screwing around with OSHA and they closed down the Herculaneum plant for for lead and they were doing all these OSHA regulations on on ammo manufacturing and all this kind of stuff. And it was making it untenable because they discovered that they had to do it kind of behind the scenes because any kind of overt move to disarm Americans, especially if you look at the history over the last five or six years of where firearms ownership is going, they've realized that that's a non-starter. And so and, and I think, unfortunately, these kind of things have a, 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 a higher percentage chance of winning because they are more amorphous. They are more behind the scenes. They are more difficult to understand or more complex. It is. I mean, when you have a regulated economy and uh, the, the democratic political system isn't delivering you the authoritarian legislation that you want, um, it's easy enough to use the regulations, the regulatory apparatus you have to strong arm nominally private businesses into achieving your policy goals that you couldn't do, or in some cases aren't permitted to do at all. Uh, for instance, things like free speech, First Amendment protections, Second Amendment protections. If you're not permitted to do it at all through the government process, you can then strong arm private business into implementing it through a, uh, through a back door. But we're seeing this happen now. I mean, it's, it's happening overtly. It's not like it's quiet behind the scenes anymore. Um, and it's disturbing because it's very obvious that you have a lot of politicians willing to pursue very restrictive goals without regard for the fact that they're not supposed to be able to achieve those goals, um, either through the way they're doing it by bypassing the legislative process or at all in a free society that has a Bill of Rights. And, and that's really the scary part is that they understand. I mean, I think, you know, I, I often say that I don't think individual people necessarily are evil. I think that there's a momentum to government, et cetera, et cetera. But when people are actively seeking out ways to bypass the constitutional framework, to bypass the restrictions and the strictures of of the Constitution, which is set there to protect the people, that is troubling. I mean, you're right. You use the word troubling. I, I say it's almost terrifying because the because government is so inveigled into our lives, those regulations inevitably will affect us on a daily basis. And, and we have almost no ability to fight back because it's not part of the normal framework. It's not. I mean, our system is not used to a government uh, to I'm sorry, to private enterprise being dragooned into political crusades, um, the best developments we've had, and, and you mentioned the Twitter files before, the best developments we've had have been uh, Elon Musk dumping all that correspondence and showing the pressure that's being brought by government officials and agencies on a private business. And, and uh, some of it was willingly on the part of Twitter, but a lot of it was arm twisting behind the scenes. The only way I think that we end this kind of uh, workarounds of our system um, is if you get more uh, pushback like Musk did with, with him telling the government to get lost and then dumping the correspondence and saying, this is what the government officials were trying to do. They were twisting arms. They were trying to suppress this journalist. They're trying to shut down that discussion. Um, if we get banks and credit card companies saying, you know what, the government's trying to shut down these businesses, uh, they're twisting their arms this way. Um, there are, you see some of that in trade publications. American Banker was all over Operation Choke Point. And they covered it in very disturbing detail, but that's a trade publication. You can see that in the, in the, in the popular press. That's got to be mainstream. We've got to be able to see more of that happening so that we understand that the Bill of Rights is being worked around by the political class, and there's an opportunity to push back against that.
A quick sidebar before we return to the radio. You wrote an article about your son doing his taxes for the first time, which I found hysterical <laughs> because that was my son's reaction, too. He's like, what the what it what what is going on here? You mean I got to give all what is this? And uh, it's an eye opening uh it's an eye-opening uh, 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 article. I, I, I can't imagine. I would love to have been a fly on the wall watching your guys' discussion. It was educational, and um, <laughs> it was a good process for him to go through because he saw how painful the whole thing is and how nonsensical it is. Yeah. Everyone should do that. Everyone should do that. I mean, I, you know, I, I tell the story that for years I did my own taxes because I, I could read it. I'd... And it was right after Trump got in office and they made a bunch of those changes. And at one point, I just threw my hands up in the air. I was like, I can't get these numbers to match anything. And I ended up going to a tax professional. But, yeah, it, it, my my kids were just all, like, eyes wide open. Like, you mean they're taking all your – yes, they're taking all your money. That's how, that's how it works. Um, all right. We'll hold the line here, J.D. We're about to jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share, like and follow. Uh, Don't forget to hit subscribe on YouTube and more. Here we go. What the hell is an assault weapon? You know, if we could just figure out how to get all of the murder guns and the attack guns and not keep selling those to people and just sell protection guns, I think that would be great and solve a lot of problems. Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider The Michael Dukes Show Assault Radio? (laughs) Okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. That's right. I have nothing but protection guns in my, what do they call it? An arsenal. Arsenal. Although if three guns is an arsenal, as we see the news media report all the time, then mine must be a supply depot. I don't know. It's it's it must be one of those things. JD Tuchilli from Reason Magazine joins us this morning uh, to discuss uh, this issue of the new banking and mer- uh, merchant uh, commercial codes for the credit cards, which have been suborned. It's a way to try and suborn the uh, the Second Amendment and and get around the constitutional restrictions. Um, I want to finish up on this, but you hit on something during the break, which I think is important to note. You know, we talked about how this is a way to get around that constitutional framework that protects Americans. That's what the Constitution, it is a stricture on government. It's not a stricture on the people. It's a stricture on government to say, stay out of it. And they are uh, attempting to end run that. We talked about the regulatory framework as well. And uh, your colleague over there at Reason, our friend Jacob Sullum, has written an article talking specifically about the president's uh, doing that as well through these executive orders, you know, this kind of fiat thing with the bump stocks and the 80% kits and the arm braces and everything else. But the courts are starting to come around and saying, look, you don't have that power. That is not something that you innately have in a constitutional way. And eventually this is going to come back to the congressional side where they've been basically abdicating their power they'll they'll pass a law that's like a framework and then they'll pass it off to the bureaucracies to put all these rules and regulations in and everything else which all have the force of law but they don't have the public process and the input congress has basically not been doing their job this is all part and parcel of that right 
It is. I mean, this this recent injunction in the uh, defense distributed case was an illustration of that because the judge delved into that. He said, uh, you know, if you, if you do have uh, an agency doing a 180 turn on what constitutes a felony, just by its own in-house interpretations of the law, uh, you're bypassing the whole point of legislation. You're taking something that was legal and then making it to something that was illegal uh, without Congress ever weighing in and just because of the whims of bureaucrats. Um, obviously, they've been doing that for a very long time. It's nice to see a judge notice and to point out how dangerous that is. It's a limited decision. It, it, you know, obviously, right. it's, 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 uh, it's very applies to one plaintiff in a case. The case is not resolved. But the reasoning was very good. And it's a, it's a sign that the court system is waking up to these workarounds that are that are bypassing the legislative process and in many cases bypassing any considerations of the Constitution. Right. And, and again, it's not just a Second Amendment issue. It's not just a First Amendment issue. You know, here in Alaska, we see a lot of the issues with, you know, regulations on, you know, things like waterways or uh, or, you know, wetlands issues and things like that. These things that have been issued and where, you know, organizations, as you say, they do a 180 or they kind of, you know, drip it on year after year after year to kind of exhaust you in court all while basically having these regulations or these guidelines that have, again, the force of law. And they've got the deep pockets of government to fight you in court over it. So you really can't ever win. Meanwhile, the Congress really never, you know, laid out a perfect framework or, or even made, a, you know, any of the details of the law. Like I said, they just give a basic, you know, they give the bullet points and the headlines and then reams of regulation are then put in by unelected, unaccountable bureaucracies. Yeah, I mean, legislating is hard. It makes you into a pinata because uh, if you want to restrict something or permit something, people take a swing at you. They fight back. Uh, you know, they argue with you because you want to threaten to do, you know, make something that they like to do into a crime. So you you pass a very very vague law and you hand it off to bureaucrats who fill it in for you. But that's not the way it's supposed to work. Uh, you actually are supposed to be a pinata, and if you're not willing to be a pinata, don't legislate. Right. Um, so, I mean, that, it, so when you see the merchant code in the in the or the more recent case, that's an evolution down that same path of just forgetting about laws, you know, lawmaking and legislating at all and letting it all become administrative rules made up someplace by, in this case, not even a government body, but an international standards board so that uh, the standard, this merchant code could be used or misused. Uh, by end users uh, to their heart's content. Right. Well, and this has a trickle down effect, too, because because Congress has abrogated their authority in many things. And it, like you said, are just passing these vague laws or frameworks and then passing it off. That gives them a lot of time for other mischief. They should be down there working on these laws the very the, with high specificity. They should be jumping in. There. They should be doing this. But then that would take away from all the other time that they're doing with their partisan stuff and the and the fundraising and all these other things. And that's what's happened over the last 80 years in this country is that they've stepped away from actually doing what they were supposed to do to passing the buck to the to the regulatory, which has done nothing but bloated government and contributed to this highly partisan divide that we see here because they have time on their hands to do that now, right? They do. I mean, uh, Congress and even state legislators at this point, but especially Congress is basically kabuki theater at this point. It's, uh, it's like pro wrestling. Uh, they uh, go at each other, they smear each other, they use invective against each other. They don't actually do a lot of what legislators are supposed to do. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I want a lot of legislation. I don't. I don't want a lot of lawmaking. But that's why they exist. They're supposed to do that. 
And instead, they passed the buck to the administrative you know, state, the permanent government, civil service, and they just kind of engage in political theater nonstop, right. fundraising, red meat to the masses, and then run for election again the next time. Right. Well, right. And it is kabuki in a way, because like you said, and I don't want, you know, a bunch of laws and legislation, but if they were working as the framers intended, it becomes a very slow, convoluted process, which also slows down that kind of authoritarianism that we're seeing kind of, you know, Murph in America right now through the, the, the passing of the buck, so to speak, because it was never intended to be a smooth process. It was never intended to be easy to pass these laws. It was in, this was an intentional hurdle and roadblock created by the founders so that it was super difficult to put laws in to restrain Americans. That was the whole point. And again, they found another way to kind of get around that. Yeah, I mean, these days they don't actually make laws. They make structures, frameworks for laws, and then the text, uh, the details are filled in later. It should take a long time. You're absolutely right. If you have lawmakers, and uh, Justin Amash, uh, when he was in Congress, used to uh, publicize the length of the bills that uh, were being passed and how few members of Congress had actually bothered to read the bills, which is really amazing. When you've got bills being passed that lawmakers have never actually read, they couldn't tell you what's in there you know the legislative process has gone off the tracks because something's being done. Someone put all that text in there. It's a thousand pages long, but the people who voted it in, into power and you know into effect have no idea what the content is. And then, of course, it's administered at the end by the ATF or the DEA or whoever it might be. Well, and that's the thing. That's the danger, right? That's like buying a book on a blurb, right? You have no idea what the book's about, but the blurb sounds good. uh, So you're going to buy it. The book may be good. It may be bad. But that's what we're seeing right now. I mean, some of these bills are coming out, as you said, you know, two, three, four thousand pages. They get the bill two days ahead of time and then they got to vote on it. Who is reading two or three thousand pages of dry legalese text? Uh, You know, you'd have to spend the full three days just doing it to get there. But they're like, oh, let me pull the lever for it. It sounds good because they read the blurb that the sponsor put out there or because leadership told them to vote in a certain way. And that's the thing. What we have right now is slowly breaking down the the system, which is the best system on the face of the earth with the best of intentions, has slowly been breaking down because we're steering away from that, whether it's in Congress, whether it's through the executive order process and this, uh, you know, kind of uh, kingly powers that the presidents have assumed over the years. This is the really, I think, one of the biggest dangers in America right now. Yeah, we've divorced our political process from our governance process. We actually have very legitimate elections. They're reliable, you know, within, within the normal parameters of margin of error. Um, the, the elections are defined by law. They're restrained by the Constitution. But the outcome of the election actually has very little to do with the laws under which we live. We're actually governed in an entirely different way than the overt, the facade that we see in terms of Congress and the president and, and uh, the overt mechanisms of government. What we actually, the way we actually have to live and what threatens us with prison is decided by the administrative state and very much uh, systems that are not regulated by knowable laws or even by the Constitution. Uh, the, the two have been split. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is the greatest danger to not just, I mean, it's Firearms Friday, so not just to the Second Amendment, but to all of our rights, this regulatory process, because everybody who works in that regular, everybody who works in those bureaucracies and for the different various governments, they have a vested interest in continuing that. 
against us because their vested interest is in staying employed and doing that kind of stuff. Whether they, you know, politically believe in it or not is another thing, but they have a vested interest to stay employed and go. Um, we're down to the last uh, minute or two here, JD. So uh, you're going to be following this uh, this merchant code story, and I'm sure writing on anything else. Anything else that we should need to know that you're working on, or anything, any other insight you want to drop on us now is the time. Well, the big thing is that Reason just launched a newsletter around my columns. They decide that I'm ah. writing so many columns that they might as well build a newsletter around them. So um, I, I would urge people, if they're interested in what I have to say, to go and subscribe to The Rattler. And you can do it through my columns. There's a box at the bottom. Yeah, I love it. The Rattler, because zzz, he's dangerous. He's dangerous. That's right. Uh, JD Too Chili, thanks for taking the time, my friend. I know you're busy. I really appreciate it. And I uh, I look forward to talking to you again here uh, in the near future. Keep up, Keep up the good work, my friend. Keep it up. Thanks for having me on. You take care. All right. I appreciate it. J.D. Tuchilli, our guest here on The Michael Duke Show. We got more coming up. Hour two is dead ahead. Uh, We will uh, continue uh, with some discussion and some headlines. And then Chris Chang, Top Shot champion from season four of Top Shot, will be joining us. And uh, we'll get a chance to uh, talk with him about stuff that's going on uh, out there as well. All right. More ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. It is Firearms Friday. Oh, baby. Our weekly therapy session where we get a chance to talk about one of the most important issues facing us today, the right to keep and bear arms. Back with more Firearms Friday. Chris Chang and Willie Waffle all up next right here. Don't go anywhere. Yeah, Obamacare was a prime example. What was that thing? 12,000 pages? And they got it just, I mean, hours before they were supposed to vote on it. Not a single person would have been able to read that thing. Not a sing- Even if you had your entire staff, you get a thousand pages. You get a thousand pages. You get a thousand pages. Go. I mean, there's just no way. But that's why, I mean, what we have today, the system is fundamentally broken because... Congress has decided to abrogate their powers and 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 do what they're doing. It's um you know, it's pretty crazy. Pretty damn crazy. We're all a little crazy now. Right? I mean, that's how it works. Okay. Um Let me go back uh, and see what you say. Um, oh yeah. Or the title of the bill. That's right, Brian. It's not just the blurb. It's the title of the bill. We must vote for it because the title sounds good. Uh, yeah. How many of these things have been written by special interests? Uh, yeah, understand that a lot of legislation that comes out is actually written by special interests, right? Because the Congress critters, they don't have time to write their own stuff. They're too busy doing the partisan thing. If they were actually doing what was intended, then they would, um, (laughs) if they were actually doing what was intended, then they would, uh, uh, 
you know, be very, very busy with the actual legislation itself, and they wouldn't have time for all this other BS. That's the bottom line. Well, they have to raise more money, right, says Robbie? Right. I mean, you want to see something on that. Thomas Massey and Justin Amash both uh, have written extensively about the insanity that goes on um, in the in the process of all this raising money. There was a, a, a series on YouTube. No, it was on Facebook. And it was called The Swamp. It was a series of videos that Thomas Massey put out uh, talking about his first days in Congress. And it was eye-opening to watch that thing, to see what they're actually doing. What they're doing in there has very little to do with governance. J.D.'s right. That's There's a split between the political process and the governance process. And what they're doing has very little to do with governance. It's all about politics. I mean, oh, it is so... It's so grimy, so grimy. Uh, anyway, mm, all right, what else are you guys talking about? It's like it's Robbie. This is like the Robbie and Brian show. Everybody else has been real quiet. Oh, Tawny's there. Um, uh, Richard, the government is not only is the government not your friend, considering they can't figure out what a woman is and all the other goofy stuff going on. I don't think anyone with brains wants these wackadoodles anywhere near our guns. Well, yeah, <laughs> there is that. There is that for sure. Uh, if you're in the chat room this morning, make sure you say hi. Just wave, wave. Um, Anthony, oh, snap, the two chili guy. I remember him from the last time. Um, I posted up links to uh, JD's um, uh, to JD's uh, article up in the chat room uh, up a little higher if you want to see it in there. Um, and we'll, we'll see what, uh, let me see my, but where's my, where is my thing here? Uh, there it is right there. Here it is. Uh, let me post this up. This again is, uh, JD's article on all that stuff. Oh, Brian is rolling on caffeine at an epic level. <laughs> Brian's out there. Go, 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 go. Uh, Anthony says Obamacare had 12,000 pages and yet the Bible only has 1,200. Uh, so a healthcare bill especially required a hundred times more explanation than the founding principle of the entire country. Yikes. Pretty much. Oh, wait, there's an HBO movie. Did they take it and break it into an actual movie? Um, damn, I wish I could follow that link just to see the headlines of it. Um, all right. I'll go take a look at that. Uh, Brian, thank you for posting that. I appreciate it. Uh, good morning, Denise. You're late, man. You missed the best part of the show. That's it. It's all going downhill from here. Sorry about that. You, you missed the best, absolute best part of the show. It's, it's all what it is. Um, all right. Well, where are we at here? What do we got? 90 seconds. Nine, how can I entertain you for 90 seconds? Uh, <laughs> talking in the third person means, oops, hey, that's what it is. That's what it is. 
Uh, we dis- when Brian talks about himself in the third person, you know he's got it going on. He's got it going on. All right. Um, uh, she's a value. Oh, they posted some new stories on the ADN while I was away doing the show. Okay. We'll come back to that later on. Well, folks, please like and share. If you haven't subscribed on YouTube, you need to subscribe on YouTube. Go over there. Just just do it. Subscribe and ring the bell. I don't know how many I'm at. I was under 400 last time I looked, but I was getting close to 400. I need 1,000. 1,000 subscribers. That's all we need. Uh, let's, uh, let's get our, let's get our funkiness on, shall we? Let's get the funky going on here for Firearms Friday. It's the Firearm Friday funk. That's what it is. Here we go. Back with more. Hour two, dead ahead. in its holster we haven't gone anywhere i don't understand check out the michaeldukeshow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast the michael duke show i have two guns one for each of you firearms friday as thomas jefferson stated it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend. I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Kinshaw. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Where's my rifle? Where's my gun? This is for Biden. This is for Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a 2A nature right here on the Michael Duke Show. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is hour two of gun goodness. It's what we like to do every Friday, a chance to sound off and talk about uh, pretty much everything uh, related to guns and firearms and the Second Amendment and all that kind of stuff. Coming up in this hour, we're going to be joined, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes from now, we're going to be joined by Top Shot Chris Chang, who uh, is going to come on with us and talk about a bunch of different stuff, including... One of the stories that I'm going to get to here in just a moment, because uh, we're going to do some headlines first before we get there and talk about it. And then in the uh, final segment of the show this morning, it is none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Willie Waffle, who comes in for our weekend entertainment route. Now, I know some of you don't, you know, you're only here for the politics and the hate, right? Oh, I just can't wait for you to stir up some hatred, discontent and confusion. Uh, and as soon as something lighter like Willie comes on, you guys bail. I know how it is. But that's okay. Because it's for me. It's not for you. I need to have a little bit of that 
little bit of that lighter side in there just to keep me sane, just to keep me from, you know, kicking a cat or whatever it would do to if you get frustrated. You know what I mean? Not that I would really kick a cat. Cats are lovely. Cats are lovely. They taste just like chicken. Okay. Um, <clears throat> where was I? Uh, all right. So Chris Chang, Willie Waffle, that's it right here. And now we've got some headlines, which we just finished up with. Uh, look, we just talked to J.D. Tuchilli from uh, Reason Magazine. And, and we got down a little bit into the weeds there at the end into a discussion that was not necessarily strictly related to the Second Amendment only. Um, it is this idea that somehow Congress has abrogated their responsibility um, to govern properly. They are, um, they are basically making it so that uh, all the laws and rules and regulations are, well, if the law that they pass a basically a framework and then they pass it over, which, you know, you could consider to be like bullet points, right, of this is what we want the law to do. And then they pass it over to the bureaucrats and the regulatory agencies and the bureaucrats who are unelected and unaccountable basically just fill in the blanks with whatever they deem to be necessary in there. And that is <clears throat> that is very dangerous. <laughs> That that is very very dangerous to uh, uh, to deal with um, because it means that in the long run there is no accountability for the laws that affect us on a daily basis because you know the law you have the law and then you have the the uh, uh, the policy right and then you've got the guidelines and you've got the actual regulations. And if all they're doing is passing the law itself and all the other things are being created or promulgated by bureaucracy, you're in big trouble. The, 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 the biggest example of this, of course, the most blatant example of this from a Second Amendment standpoint is the ban by Trump who opened the door on a lot of this stuff. I mean, I know a lot of you love Trump and the sun rises and sets out of his bahui and all that stuff, but he did more to damage the office of president through that use of, of executive fiat and did more to damage the Second Amendment than I think many presidents in a long time. You know, when he sat there at that press conference after Parkland and said, you know, <clears throat> we'll, uh, we'll take the guns and worry about due process later, that sent a chill up my spine. I mean, that's absolutely sent a chill up my spine. And then, of course, using the executive order and the direction by directing ATF to basically declare bump stocks illegal, uh, it did more, again, to damage the framework of freedom that we have in this country. Uh, I mean, just think about that. You've got a product that has been lawful and legal for years and has multiple determination letters or statements, written statements by the government saying they are legal and you are okay to use. And then one day, arbitrarily, the government decides to flip the switch on that and say, nope, now it's illegal. Not only is it illegal, it's a $250,000 fine and up to 10 years in prison if you're found with one, et cetera, et cetera. Same thing that happened with the arm brace, the same thing that's happening now with the 80% lowers. This all, this all started, this, this all started again, 
uh, back with, uh, you know, the exercise of this executive order and the ex- the administrative exercise of power that Trump showed. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm so disappointed in, in that kind of stuff. But this is what's happening. We're divorcing ourselves from what the framework uh, from from what the framers intended with their framework of the Constitution. And we're finding ways of getting around it. And again, not just in the Second Amendment. Go look at all the Twitter files. Go look at all the Twitter dumps that Musk put out there and see the government working behind the scenes, pulling strings, exerting pressures, sometimes to a friendly audience like at Twitter. Twitter, they just wanted to kiss the backside of the government and do whatever they said. Uh, But other companies having the same thing, basically this, this, uh, you know, uh, 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 some kind of elect or some kind of bureaucratic official reaches out from the federal government and says, "Ooh, nice business. It'd be a shame if somebody audited it, right? Unless you do what we say on the guidelines of our misinformation thing, right? You need to kill all these. You need to stop this stuff. Because if you don't, oh, it'd be a, be a real shame if somebody audited your business going back 50 years or whatever it is that they're doing. Um, and that kind of stuff is scary, scary. So anyway, that's the, that's the big push out there right now. And and it, it, it has me greatly troubled this credit card thing, this, uh, this, uh, um, MCC, which is the merchant code, um, uh, merchant category code thing has really has me worried. Um, and, uh, because it's kind of out of our control now, hopefully more States jump on this and, uh, and force it not to do it, but we'll see what happens. All right. I want to, what were, what were some of the, um, what were some of the other things that I wanted to talk about? Oh, uh, this is going to be coming up with Chris Chang. So maybe we'll hit on this for just a minute. Uh, It's a new day in Santa Clara County, California. Well, not really, but kind of. Uh, For years, the county saw only a handful of residents apply for their concealed carry license because uh, California had the good cause required uh, part required to be approved, right? You had to show good cause to be able to get a concealed carry permit in California. The average Joe was unable to exercise his rights because, well, the powers that be didn't believe you had a good cause to do it. (laughs) Meanwhile, the former sheriff of Santa Clara County was abusing her discretionary authority and her authority in office to issue these permit grants to campaign donors, friends, other VIPs in the community. Basically, it was a huge pay-for-play scandal. Lori Smith, who is the former sheriff of Santa Clara County, ended up resigning her position right before a jury found her guilty of corruption and official misconduct. Shocking, I know. Shocking. Remember, police are the only ones that should have guns. That's what we were told for years. Police and the military should be the only ones that have guns. Except, of course, that there is plenty of corruption in police and military and everything, just like any other slice of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of life out there, any other persuasion, every, any other profession, there is an underbelly of nastiness out there. Tons of corruption. Anyway, she ended up resigning and the new sheriff, whose name is Bob Johnson 
has sought to distance the department from the concealed carry scandal between Smith's uh, departure and the end of the good cause requirement caused by the Bruin decision. It looks like gun owners are feeling more confident in their ability to acquire a carry license of their own. They said the sheriff's office received 32 concealed carry weapons applications from January 1st to May 31st of last year in the first month. And then after the June court ruling, 378 applications came in, almost 10 times the number in the intervening months for the rest of the year. In 2021, the office only received 32 applications for the entire year. Uh, They have since launched an online application portal in February, and they received hundreds of requests. Um, And, of course, the sheriff said he was anticipating that. He said, hey, it's a natural progression for people to say, hey, why not, and throw in an application. Uh, He said it is what it is right now, and that will make it a little more challenging to deny permits because that good cause requirement is no longer in place. So any hope that you had that Sheriff Johnson had a different mindset than Sheriff Lori Smith, you are sadly mistaken when he makes that kind of comment. Well, you know, makes it a little more challenging to deny permits because the good cause requirement is no longer in place. What? I mean, what? He may be trying to separate himself from uh, Lori uh, Smith, but uh, it makes him same sound like the same kind of anti-2A mentality that he had before. He actually said he came out and said uh, uh, that, you know, he, he gave you the reasons why and how they're making it more difficult for gun owners. He said the county implemented alternatives to replace the previous good cause measure, including a required psychological exam through a psychologist used by the sheriff's office and more gun training hours. He also said current county policy prohibits guns in places that primarily sell alcohol uh, and uh, and everything else. It's nice to know that Johnson has publicly stated his intentions to try and get around the Supreme Court's ruling by imposing other subjective standards for would-be gun owners. Because, as uh, Tom Knightenden writes over there at Bearing Arms, that will come in handy if and when an organization like the California Rifle and Pistol Association files a lawsuit over the post Bruin permitting process. If he's already admitted that, oh, it's going to make it a little more deny, uh, harder to deny things, and uh, we're just going to... Why? Why do they do that? I mean, the courts are pretty clear on this. Why would you jump back into this and try and make it more difficult? Just because? It's crazy stuff. All right. We got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty Based. Free Thinking Radio. Chris Chang up next. Top Shot Champion Season 4. We'll be back with more right after these messages. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Hi, I'd like to talk to you about your extended car warranty. Um, uh, What? A woman sheriff doing something illegal? I thought it was just white males. (laughs) 
I mean, I just don't see what's going on. 2A says I don't need permission. Um, regulators are just middlemen who want to get paid for inter interference in liberty, says Robbie. Well, you're not, you're not wrong with that. I would say you are not wrong on that, um, uh, on that point at all. Um, should have moved to Fairbanks, says Chris. I don't know what Chris is talking about here. Should have moved to Fairbanks. You should have moved to Fairbanks. Somebody else should have. I should have. I don't know. What are, what are you trying to say? Um, <clears throat> and Greg has got, it's one of the most important questions of the day. Anyone have some 2520 WCF to spare? Question mark. That's the, that's the, that's the important person. Yeah. Um, let's see. Why is Kevin McCabe trying to sell us on the carbon credit scam? I don't know exactly what you mean, but uh, we'll let Kevin answer that next time he's on. How about that? Gr grill covers. Oh, yeah, there was like a wind advisory, right, for parts of the Matsu and for Anchorage because they're getting like 80 mile an hour winds over in Thompson Pass towards Valdez. Grill covers in the middle of the yard. Going to have to fire up the sled to recover unless I can bribe the dogs. I don't think the dogs are going to bring it back. And if it's anything like my yard, it was soft enough that the dogs couldn't have walked across it like they did before. So there you go. And Amy wins the internet for the most random comment today. I have a portable fan that keeps the mosquitoes away. They don't like the wind. Just a suggestion. What, Amy? What? <laughs> what is that? We weren't tied. What? What? Is the most? She wins the prize for the most random comment of the day so far. I've just, I have no idea what, where that came from. Uh, but I mean, good, good tip. Good tip. Portable fan keeps the mosquitoes away. If it's pointing right at you and then you don't have to worry about it. Just keep the mosquitoes. away. I just throw the covers over my head. No mosquitoes. Then no mosquitoes. Then, oh, it's Friday. It's been a hell of a week and I am ready for it um <clears throat> uh hold up there fella says denise if the state can call me a disenfranchised female farmer maybe that female sheriff is a disenfranchised sheriff mm, okay um uh, b52s and kamikazes are smelling the warmth i mean is that a drink recipe robbie B-52s and kamikazes? Or is it bugs? What, what, are you, what are you talking about here? Uh, okay. Sometimes people have their own language. That's all I'm saying. Mosquitoes. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. They're smelling the warmth. Mosquitoes are smelling the warmth. Uh, I haven't seen any mosquitoes. Although it was nice, man. It was like 42 degrees or something yesterday afternoon. So nice. I am so ready. This is kind of an unusually warm spate. I'm sure I'm just waiting for April to drop the hammer on us as we come back to it. That'll be, that'll be painful, but, uh, you know, it's all good. Get to go to the range this weekend. First time this year. Nice. Nice. Oh, I haven't been to the range in too long, too long. 
And that's why dry fire exercises are so important. I just want to point that out to you. Because if you can't get to the range, dry firing will at least keep, uh, keep you semi-sharp. Semi-sharp. Um, it would be a shame if you couldn't rent, sell, or lease your house because you have the wrong wood stove, says, Je- says Jim. Yeah, I'm with you, Jim. What I mean, just another reason why I'm going to oof. All right, we're getting ready to jump into it. Going riding in my T-shirt today, says Kyle. Nice enough. Let's get back to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay. Well, we're waiting for uh, Chris Chang to join us. He is uh, apparently running a little bit late. Let me send him a sending him a quick message here to make sure that we're all on the same sheet of music for this beautiful Firearms Friday. This whole story uh, coming out, we were just talking about the one out of California, uh, was, uh, you know, it's just typical. Again, it's what David Kodria from the War on Guns used to talk about with, uh, you know, the only ones, right? He had a whole column. He had a whole tag uh, or category called only ones, which were stories of people who were supposed to be the only ones that were trustworthy enough to have firearms doing the wrong thing. And every time I see a story like this, like what happened there in California with this sheriff who was basically abusing her power and using the whole pay to play thing, um, is, is I'm, I'm reminded of that category of only ones who, you know, who, who, who are, they're the only one you should only the military and the police should have guns because they can be trusted. You, you can't, you can't be trusted. And of course, then later on, that narrative has changed over the last few years until you got it. You got it going on right now where it is, we should defund the police. I mean, now the police can't be trusted with guns. So who exactly can be trusted with firearms? Um, you know, what's good. Oh, Chris says, uh, he's got a, the power is out where he's at right now. He's trying, he's, Getting on his trying to get on his battery backup to get on there and do that. Uh, power's out. A lot of rain. A lot of rain down there in San Francisco. Um, so it's it's good. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I'm I'm reminded when I hear stories about this that somehow the police are the only ones that are good enough. And now, of course, over the last couple of years, even the police can't be trusted. So the question is, I mean, who are you going to trust? The millions of American gun owners who haven't broken the law for years, or you're only going to give them to the people who you believe subvert and oppress people and, and do all this other kind of stuff. What, what, what makes more sense to you? I mean, I personally vote for the law-abiding gun owners who haven't done anything for years 
protecting themselves from the criminals who, by the way, aren't going to be regulated by your laws anyway. So why not just, why not just do that? Why not just do that? It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. And then we've got this, um, and then we've got this story coming out of Georgia that talks about no knock raids and how dangerous they are. We've, we've heard plenty of stories about how the, uh, how the law enforcement community since the mid to late eighties, when no knock raids first really got their start, how they become overused. They initially were supposed to be a very special use case uh, and everything else. And how now these days there's just thousands and thousands and thousands of no-knock raids uh, or or searches that go on across the country. And how they've become the norm instead of the, you know, they've become the rule instead of the exception. But how amazingly dangerous they are, you know. Uh, We've heard many stories of people being killed. Whether it was, uh, you know, whether it was uh, uh, Breonna Taylor or Amir Locke or the story of the no-knock raid where they threw the flashbang into the crib with the baby uh, and everything else. Um, it's, uh, uh, I'm sorry, didn't you, you, um, it, so, but it it you know, these no knock these no knock raids are very dangerous, and uh, the abuse can go actually both uh, both ways, uh, because here is the uh, here is the story. Oh, I see Chris. I see Chris just popped into the uh, chat room. Sorry about that. We're trying to get Chris onto the chat room at the same time while I was trying to talk. And you know, I cannot type and talk at the same time. It's it's a known this is known. This is known. Um so let's jump over to Chris Chang before I finish my story here. Uh although he may want to comment on this uh because this is something that's going on all over the place. Hey uh my friend, how are you doing this morning? Hey good morning out here in uh, Northern California and uh the atmospheric river storm has begun and i woke up with our power being out this morning so yeah. running around trying to you know get our backup uh batteries and oh, man. generator all, all fired up but uh well I'm here <laughs> i appreciate it i'm sorry that you're having to deal with all that torrential rain it's like that you're sitting under a waterfall is that what's going on can you hear me chris uh, it looks like my connection dropped out for oh, okay. five seconds. Oh, okay. Uh, I was just saying torrential rain is like living under a waterfall, right? I mean, it's just like not a, not a good time right now. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're prepared though. We knew this was coming and I, I think we've battened down the hatches. We've got our drainage pathways all set. So now it's just a matter of let's wait and see. Wait and see how it goes. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, Chris, uh, I want to talk to you here. We don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to talk to you about this story coming out of, uh, uh, coming out of uh, Santa Clara County. I'm sure that this has been all over the news down there. Sheriff Lori Smith, that now, of course, has been found guilty of corruption and official misconduct for her pay-to-play scheme where she was offering concealed carry permits to her friends and her VIPs and donors and everything else. Uh, and, of course, you'd think that that, along with the Bruin decision, would make it a little easier for folks in Santa Clara County. Uh, unfortunately, although the number of permit applications has gone up tenfold, the problem is, is that the new sheriff seems to be 
kind of cut from the same cloth. He went on to say, boy, this is going to make it a lot harder, to more challenging to deny permits because that good clause is not in place. But don't worry, we've got, we've instituted other checks, psychological, more firing range. We're going to, why do you guys keep hiring and, and electing sheriffs that seem to be so vehemently anti-Second Amendment down there? Yeah, and I think the, the short answer is the citizens don't care as much about the Second Amendment, right? It's it's not it's not a top of mind or a front and center issue for a lot of Californians, which which is a problem. You know, in Santa Clara County is um, you know, from what I understand about the political mix, it's um, you know, it, it's it tilts liberal, but there's still some uh, you know, some some conservative slash, you know, liber liberty minded and individuals you know in santa clara county so yeah like anything else this is about getting the grassroots involved right and making sure that we're one educating and shining the light on issues like what's happening with the sheriff here and you know his and her attitude right towards the second amendment and, and the ccw application and it's either one of two things right either get the policies changed and or elect a sheriff right that supports our second amendment rights and is also going to be tough on crime right, right? and is actually going to make our community safer you know the bay area is experiencing this whiplash of electing hyper progressive officials who are soft on crime and who are trying to make it easier to get criminals out of jail to not even prosecute them in the first place but now the people are seeing the obvious side effects, right, of these hyper-progressive policies that are also basically racist, right? They're very race-driven policies. It's sort of like this, for lack of a better word, it's like a white guilt thing that feels like it's happening. Right? You have white elected officials who feel guilty about uh, people of color, right, committing crimes and then them, them going to jail to serve their time. And they right. feel guilty about that for some reason so they're either not prosecuting or they're letting people of color out of jail sooner and right and of course if you do that and the criminals are out on the streets you're going to have more crime the our communities are less safe so thankfully the citizenry is waking up to the fact that these some of these hyper progressive policies are really bad right really unsafe and we need to put criminals away regardless of the color of their skin and also make sure that from a CCW perspective, that they're following the law of the US Supreme Court decision in Bruin, which makes the Second Amendment an individual right, that makes the CCW application process streamlined. You know, I'm still applying for San my San Francisco CCW. <laughs> I'm in month seven. I was just gonna say we're going right on now. we're headed towards the year mark pretty close here, you know. So but I think you make a valid point. I mean, you know, all these policies that we're getting whiplash. We were just talking about how, you know, it used to be that people would say, well, the only ones that should have guns are military and law enforcement. The only ones that can be trusted, not the millions of law abiding gun owners who've never done anything wrong, but the only and now of course we're seeing things like this. We're seeing things like these sheriffs, the pay to play. Same thing was going on in New York, uh, with the NYPD officials who were in charge of the permit process up there. There was more pay to play over there. And of course, then we get this whole defund the police movement. Wait a minute, I thought these were the only people that you could trust, and now you can't trust them. It's this kind of whiplash back and forth. And I think it's confusing to many Americans because they're like, wait, and especially those of us that are law abiding gunners, we're like, we've never done anything wrong, and you're punishing us. And and yet these people who you were holding up, 
are now all bad. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it really comes down to that part of what you just said, right? It's the innocent, responsible gun owners are being unfairly penalized for crimes we did not commit. And we're being subjugated to all sorts of terrible uh, accusations, right? That, you know, we value uh, our guns more than the lives of children and all these other crazy allegations <laughs> right. and, and insults, quite yeah. frankly, right? That are just, they're, they're offensive and they're not true. And, you know, but with all this whiplash happening, you know, I feel like this is sort of just the way that public policy goes, right? It's like, look, we're going to try a different approach. And when it doesn't work, we just instinctively and naturally swing in the other direction. Yeah, the, pen- then- yeah. the pendulum. That's yeah. what we call the pendulum. Uh, Chris- mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the pendulum definitely swings each way. And like right now in, in this moment in time, right over the past few years, the pendulum is just swinging way farther, right, in, in, in one direction or the other. And I think for me, you know, I ultimately have faith in, in, in freedom and democracy that we will land in the right place. It's, I I, roughly, really- I I definitely hope so. Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion. Hold the line, Chris. Folks, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Well, Chris didn't hang out. I wanted to talk to him for a minute, but he bailed out. That's okay. Hard times over there. Running on a generator. Ch- 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 chonky. Very chonky. Um, all right. So what was I talking about before we got involved with Chris? Oh, the home invasion thing um, and the no-knock warrants. How dangerous they are. Um, um, let me, yeah, let's go over there. Uh, no problem. Uh, I was going to talk to you in the break, but, uh, uh, but what, but, uh, uh, sometimes, uh, weather, uh, is king. Okay. All right. I got it right there. Um, so, uh, the no knock warrants, right. And this is, and police are, police have just, they have, insisted that these are absolute necessities now. Now that they have them, they don't want to give them up because they're just so important for officer safety and everything else like that. But the problem is, is that criminals are cunning, all right? They may not always be smart, but they are cunning, and they figured out a few things. Um, And that is the fact that they themselves can now... um, uh, Can now... um, Oh my God. I just lost the word imitate. Holy cow. Woo. That was a Monday thing right there that they can imitate police in a way that causes uh, the victims of their home invasions to pause. And this took place just in Georgia here. It just this last week, Gwinnett County police arrested a Lawrenceville man who was accused of impersonating an officer to commit multiple home invasions an armed robbery, uh, leaving a larger investigation involving at least 11 suspects. This guy was arrested on March the 2nd on a long list of charges related to two home invasions that took place in September. 
The police spokeswoman uh, said that the, the police took out similar charges against a second suspect who was already in custody on unrelated charges. Nine other suspects have not been publicly identified as of yet. Apparently, these were groups of criminals that would go around and they would uh, storm homes and they would kick in the doors while yelling that they were with the police and the drug enforcement agency, the DEA. So they kick in your doors and uh, start shouting police because people have been conditioned that that's you just you don't you don't fight back. You don't fight back, even though sometimes police have the wrong house. In fact, many times police have the wrong house, the wrong information. They're looking for the wrong person. I mean, all these kind of things. This is why no knock warrants are so dangerous. Few people believe a home invasion isn't grounds for defending yourself. And in any of these situations, it could be a very dangerous thing for police officers. Uh, in fact, they there have been people charged with attempted murder. Uh, there was a case here two or three years ago where the police attempted a no-knock raid on a house. They had the wrong house. They broke in. The homeowner said that they never heard them say police or anything else. The homeowner shot back and wounded a police officer. And they charged him with attempted murder in his own house. He eventually, they eventually dropped the charges on him. But I mean, this is the danger. You don't know. Is it really police? Or is it one of these cunning criminal gangs that have discovered that if they bust in the door with the precision of a no-knock SWAT raid and start shouting police, are they going to get you at a disadvantage and be able to rape, rob, murder, kill you, do whatever they want? It's, uh, I mean, this, this is, this is some crazy stuff, crazy, crazy stuff. And in fact, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend, I don't know if they, I don't know if they let him off the hook because he shot back. He didn't realize that it was, uh, that it was police. He shot back and was himself shot. And I don't know what the outcome of that is. But it's definitely disappointing to see this continuous uh, Reason Magazine had an article a couple years ago about the whole prevalence of no-knock raids, and they actually show the statistics of, you know, how it was initially put in place and what it was for and how it's essentially become the norm these days. That's just so disappointing, so disappointing how we continue to lose freedom in that way. Oh, look at you. Uh, block that user. Okay. Block that user. Okay. Um, all right. Well, we're coming down to it here. Um, unless you're related to a judge or sheriff, you get a free pass. Um, you must be over 40. Studies have shown that folks over 40 lose words, mostly nouns, says Denise. Well, that's not reassuring. I need to go do some Sudoku or something. <laughs> just need, as that happens occasionally to me. I'll just lose the word. I'll be like, what was it? It was a descriptor. It wasn't a noun. It was a descriptor, but you know, um, uh, that's, uh, that's how it goes. All right. You guys ready to go? Let's get into it. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio, Willie waffle phones ringing up next. Let's do it.
Well, hi, 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 hi. End of the day. Or, <laughs> I wish it was the end of the day. End of the morning, anyway. And we're getting into the weekend. That means we bring on my brother from another mother, Willie Waffle from WaffleMovies.com. Hello, my friend. How you doing? I'm ready to party down. That's how I'm yeah, party, doing. That's right. Party it's time. Party. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> well, we got a bunch of news and everything else. I know you want to start off with what you just can't stop talking about even though nobody cares anymore. The Oscars. All right, so three big stories out of the Oscars. We'll, real quick, hit me with them all. All right, so here's here's our big stories they've been developing all week. Number one, um, Lady Gaga is snubbing the Oscars this year. Yes, she has been nominated for performing one of the top songs, nominated for top song at the Oscars, for, you know, the song she did for the Top Gun movie. However, she's too busy to show up this weekend. Why... She claims she's off making a movie and just doesn't have time to perform this weekend, which is a nice way to say, I know I'm not going to win, so I'm Ow. not going to be there. Ow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Lisa Marie Presley was supposed to make a presentation. Unfortunately, she passed away here, uh, what, 10 days ago, yes, something so like that. So she's got to stand in. They brought in Sarah Ferguson, Princess. I can't even remember. What she's princess of over there in England, the one that was married to Prince Andrew. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, yeah, this uh, is her consolation prize. Mm -hmm. She's going to be presenting at the Oscars. <laughs> so they're bringing in another form of royalty instead of uh, Presley's. Well, or, yeah. you know, she's is she the only one that can actually appear? I mean, like, seriously, like, Harry and Meghan are not welcome. Yeah. Andrew clearly is not oh, welcome. Oh, baby. The king, the king should have more important things to do. You would hope. And that leaves you with with Kate and Kate and Willie and yeah. uh, you know frankly they just uh, they already went to the British Academy Awards so they're not I don't think they're making the trip to Hollywood okay all right uh that's cool um so I guess we'll see her if we watch the recap maybe um what's <laughs> what, what's the third big thing here this is my favorite part of the Oscars this year the the producers and the the Academy have announced that they have a crackerjack team that they've put together an action team that will step into action and take action if, um, you know, like anybody slaps anybody or mm -hmm. something during mm -hmm. the Oscars. <laughs> okay, yeah, great. good luck with that, guys. You know, yeah. like, you might be a year too late for that. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, the only reason that I would even consider watching the Oscars right now is because everything, everywhere, all at once has been nominated for Best Picture and for Best Actress and something else. I mean, it's... It's going to dominate. I it's going to do yeah. so well. I think it's going to do yeah. really well, which I'm excited to hear, but not excited enough to sit through three hours of pontificating blowhards. So that's fine. Um, all right. Oh, and don't forget the tributes to movie history. Yes, well, of course. Yeah, those are always fascinating. What was that? Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one of my wife's favorite uh, food personalities, Rachel Ray, is... Um, which I haven't seen in years because we don't have broadcast television here in my house. Uh, she's ending her television. I didn't even know it was still going. 17 years. Yeah. And, and you know, she's going to be reaching out to you, my man, because she's making <laughs> her move to the interwebs and wow. streaming and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, after 17 years, the Rachel Ray show is coming to an end. She is ending her TV talk show that airs on a lot of CBS stations around the country. And uh, she has started her own studio called Free Food Studios. And they have they have they have said that what their intention is 
is to do more web-based stuff, more streaming stuff, uh, different formats. You know, instead of doing a half-hour format, maybe you do a recipe of the day, right. or maybe you know something along those lines. Right. So uh, you know, they're they're going to be striking out there and taking a chance. The kind of chance you can take when you're already worth millions. I was just going to say, she's not like she's working for the money, right? But by the way, exactly. by the way, you had me at free food, right? Free food studios. Yeah, exactly. That's everybody's, everybody's coming by for some free food for sure. Um, um, I want to know about Keanu Mysons. Mm-hmm. Keanu Mysons. Awesome. What Keanu, what <laughs> Keanu? Uh, give me the, give me the details on this new fun gus, new fungus. Oh my God. So scientists in Germany, like a month ago, discovered an effective fungus killing compound that is so deadly, they've named it after Keanu Reeves. Because according to them, he too is extremely deadly in his roles. Oh. And it's called Keanu Mycins. And it's seen as a possible alternative to chemical pesticides. Oh, man. Keanu, he he actually commented on this on Reddit, right? He did. This is great. So, you know, he's out there promoting John Wick 4. You know, he's he's doing the he's doing the circuit, right? And during he was doing a Reddit session this weekend and and somebody asked him what he thought about this. And he said it was really cool and really surreal. But he does wish that they named it after John Wick instead of after him. It just doesn't have the same ring, John Wickamicens. I mean, come on. Exactly. Keanu Mycens. That's a weird honor. That's a weird honor, but hey, I'll take it. It's Keanu trying to promote his movie to the very end, Uh, even forsaking the, 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 the fame that he will get from this to try to help John Wick. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about here in the theaters and on the stream. We got four different ones and we got about eight minutes. So that's two minutes a shot here. So where do you want to start? Let's start with 65. 65. Just... I, I saw the trailer for this and I thought, oh, that looks kind of cool. Uh, but uh, you're, you don't, you're not giving me high hopes by starting first. Tell me the story here. It should be so much cooler than it really is. So, you know, yes, it is a movie starring Adam Driver, and uh, he's this like space pilot, and uh, you know he's he's working hard because he's got to raise money to pay for his kids' medical expenses, and uh, he crashes his spaceship on a planet, right, where it's like sixty-five million years ago, or maybe the planet he's from is from sixty-five million years ago, and they were so advanced. They've crashed on Earth, where the dinosaurs roam. Who knows? And they don't really explain it very well in the movie. Oh, yeah. And that, so now... Yeah, go ahead yeah, and say... Yeah. No, no, because, of course, we wouldn't be curious about that at all. Well, they don't. it's not like they don't tease it in the trailers. Is it a planet? Right. It's, is it a planet? Or is it Earth? Or is it whatever? I mean, we just don't know. Um, but, I mean, it looked pretty intense. It looked like it was Jurassic Park meets Starship Troopers or something. I don't know. If only the dinosaurs were as cool as the ones in Jurassic Park. And I, I think, listen, everything else, I mean, they've got all the tropes in here, man. Okay? It's like, you know, he's doing it for his sick kid who needs, you know, all the med- ooh, pardon me, medical treatment. You know, they're going to be chased by dinosaurs. They're in shock as they run into one dinosaur after the other after the other. And that's really what they do the whole movie is just run from the dinosaurs who don't look as cool as the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. 
So, you know, I'm kind of at like the one and a half waffle level. I'm just not feeling it. I mean, you know, Adam Driver is a much better actor than this. He's clearly cashing in. He's like, dude, maybe this will be really big because they're not going to let me do any more Star Wars movies. Right. So I got to have something to hang my hat on. Right, right. And he he went for this. Well, he's an amazing actor. He really is an amazing actor. He's very good. He's he's done a bunch of indie films and everything else. But every now and then you got to pay the bills. You got to cash in. So why not? All right. One and a half stars or one and a half waffles for 65 in theaters right now. What's next? The History of the World Part Two. Okay. Which is, yeah. I yep. mean, this is, this is, that's big britches because that's Mel Brooks, right? I mean, History of the yeah. World is Mel Brooks. So, yep. And, and he, he does introduce every episode. And yes, that's the difference. Uh, people who remember the History of the World Part One, the amazing movie that came out back in 1981. Uh, this is the follow up in a sense where it is a Hulu series where they've been dropping two new episodes every night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. And, uh, you know, basically he said, uh, my only my only uh, promise that I got from the writers is they wouldn't actually take any of the skits from the first movie and try to put them in here. And that's when I went, oh, God, I wish they did. Oh. It, it, <laughs> you know, it, it, this is just, I mean, you know, I don't know if it's just that, like, Mel Brooks can't exist in this time anymore. Oh, yeah, Because, no. you know, no, th- I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, his comedy was so out there and daring and crazy and oh, outrageous yeah. and, and you know, touched on cultural, you know, topics and touched on emotions that were going on in the world. It's kind of like, you know, like uh, when you watch, like, All in the Family in syndication and then they try to redo it for ABC and they had to put up a big disclaimer you can't talk like this anymore. Essentially is what they were trying to yeah, say. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, that, <laughs> and that's what happens here. I just feel like, you know, they're, they're pulling their punches. They're trying to be silly rather than trying to have some sort of meaning to it. Right. I mean, most of it just ain't funny. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, there really are only two skits that work for me. And, and some of the skits kind of recur over different episodes to kind of keep telling the story. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the best one, I got to admit, the best one was a Curb Your Enthusiasm-style telling of how Judas reacted to the Last Supper and decided he had to betray Jesus. Oh, jeez. That's, yeah. that's the best one. Right. That's the one that really gets the good last because it's taking a chance and it's pushing that envelope. Uh, so, you know, that and they do a really funny thing with uh, Shirley Chisholm, uh, played by Wanda Sykes. You know, she was the the first uh, African-American woman elected to Congress. She was the first African-American to run for president on a major party line. You know, she's a real groundbreaker. And that one is very funny as they talk about those kind of topics and do it more in the style of a 70s sitcom, which was really good. But everything else is blah. I mean, I got to go one waffle. Oh, man. I know Mel Brooks talked about, they asked him, how could you do as, how could you do this stuff with Hitler and all this other kind of stuff? And he's like, I want the world to laugh at him. I want the world to yeah. laugh at him, and that's what it's about. Yes, it's a sensitive topic, but it can't be that sensitive when we can laugh at him, and that's what he wanted to do. So, all right, so one waffle, history of the world. That leads us over to? I'm going to go to Champions next. Okay, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, you know, and again, here's another movie. It's playing on all the tropes, man. You, you've seen this story before. Woody Harrelson, he's a basketball coach, you know, in the minor leagues because, you know, he kind of lost his gig in the major leagues. And uh, he's now been sentenced to community service 
coaching a team of players who have intellectual disabilities. And uh, in his time with them, he realizes he can get the best out of this team and get them all the way to the Special Olympics. Mm. And, you know, there's some funny moments. There's some sweet moments. There's some heartwarming moments. I mean, come on. Woody Harrelson can do that whole oh, game. Yeah. And I oh, think yeah. that's what really makes it work. You know, and, and the other smart thing is, you know, this is from director Bobby Farrelly. You might remember him with his brother Peter Farrelly when they did all those crazy comedies like Dumb and Dumber and right, something right. about Mary. Yeah, the Farrelly brothers, well, and, right. Yeah, and he's smart enough to understand that Woody Harrelson has to be the butt of the jokes. Right. So everybody's riffing on Woody Harrelson and it's hilarious to watch. Uh, you know, especially this one, this one lady uh, played by Madison Tevlin. She's like this player who's like a superstar player who just rips Woody Harrelson at every turn. And you just can't stop laughing at how good she is. Nice. I'm going to say three waffles, three waffles for champions. Okay. In theaters yep. right now, that leaves us down to the new scream movie, scream six. My wife actually said she really enjoyed Scream 5. She said it really revitalized the series. Uh, what do you say about Scream 6? Well, I think she's right. I think it did revitalize the series. Um, I think that, you know, it, 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 however, is a very familiar territory. Again, you know, we know what's going to happen. All these kids are going to have all sorts of hip and meta things to say about being in a horror movie and, you know, understanding where the plot's going and how predictable it is and all that kind of stuff. You know, but at least they kind of make it work. The idea is that the survivors of that last movie have left town. They've moved to, like, New York to start fresh. But the ghost face killer is still chasing them. Of course it is. Of course it. Well, you yes. knew that was going to yeah, happen. That was inevitable. Yeah. Um, all right. You less, would not have a movie without that. Yeah. Less than sixty <laughs> seconds here. Give me the final thoughts on Scream Six. You know, I think some of the dialogue's very funny. I think it's still a little too obsessed with itself in the movies, but it's worth it for the surprises. It's very, very gruesome two and a half waffles two and a half all right well she's gonna watch it i guarantee it she's gonna watch it but that's in theaters right now not on the stream yet uh, no but... man it, everything's going back to theaters okay well we'll see how that works out willie waffle wafflemovies.com thank you my friend i look forward to seeing you next week folks we are out of time we will see you on monday Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the screen, I haven't seen it. My wife was trying to get me to see the fifth screen. I enjoyed the first couple, couple of them. I, I don't know. I lost interest somewhere between three and four or something, but we didn't, we watched them. I think last Halloween or whatever, we watched a marathon of a couple of them and stuff. And I did enjoy the movies, but yeah, there comes to a point where you can't keep beating or flogging the trope horse of. Uh, hey, we're we're breaking the fourth wall. We're inside a movie, kind of thing. Yeah, and and you know, I think what what's really what this movie has going for it is is this cast now. You know, Melissa Barrera, who's a very good uh, young actress, who's who's been in a few big movies, and of course, the star of the moment, the it girl of the moment, Jenna Ortega, who was you know a a moderate star in the last movie, now right. has become the huge star in this movie. Right. So you know that that's got a lot of interest. Uh, you know there are I, I will tell you there is a big surprise appearance in this uh, movie from the past movies. A surprise that most people are kind of going. 
I didn't think that was possible. And uh, the explanation is kind of lame, if you ask me, but it's oh, there. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, but you know, I, and, uh, we talked about yep. Nev, Nev Campbell not coming back, right? Because she, yep, she is not. She is still not. Yeah, because she, yeah. she got too and, big for her britches and said she wanted more money or something, or I don't know what the deal was. Yeah, essentially that's what it was. I mean, she, she wanted a lot of money, and uh, they were just like, uh, we can do this without you because... Uh, we're, nobody's here to see you. They're here to see the Scream movie. Right, you right. Know? Exactly. So that exactly. didn't work out well for her. Well, um, like I said, I think Terry will want to watch it, which means that I have to watch the other one first, which means we're going to wait for it to hit the stream anyway. So I just can't think of anything that I nearly need to go to the movie theaters for, except in two weeks I might break my – man, it's been three – it's been over three years Amazing. since I've since I've stepped in foot into a movie theater, but uh, two weeks from today is that right? Two weeks, uh, fourteen days. Yeah, fourteen days from today, I'll be stepping into the theaters to watch John Wick. Um, All three hours. Of it. I'm kind of I'm kind of excited <laughs> about it. Now I know you're not a huge Wick fan. Um, I'm not. I you know I get it. Yeah. You know? I don't know why, because if they're the, like some of the greatest film on the planet. But, you know, <laughs> I don't know why you're not into it. But uh, are you going to get a early screener of that or what's the what's the what's the score? Uh, you know, it's still still to be determined. You know, at this point, they kind of don't need me to sell John Wick. Yeah, so true. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, if you don't want to watch it, you can send your screener to me, and I'll watch it. It'll be fine. Don't worry. No, about I figured it. you. I figured yeah. you, you'd step in and take that. Bullet I will for take me. that yeah. bullet for you and give you a play-by-play <laughs> on how good this movie is. I would love to see it. Uh, but that's coming up on the twenty fourth. So that's the next big next week. What are we doing? Anything important? I, Shazam. Shazam. The, the next Shazam movie comes out. I haven't seen the first one yet. So I mean, God, I'm such a stick yeah. in the mud sometimes. It's been a while too. Yeah. I mean, the first Shazam, it came out like I want to say late 2019 or late 2018, and uh, you know got delayed massively because of COVID. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see how it comes. You can give us the rundown on that, and uh, I appreciate it. All right, Willie Waffle, thank you, my friend. We will talk with you next week, okay? You got it, man. Next week, and uh, I'll, I'll recap the Oscars for you if you need it. Oh, yeah, we would. We can't wait for We can't <laughs> wait for that. All right. Folks, we're out of time. We'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. Thank you. 